Good morning, church. Merry Christmas. That's weak. Merry Christmas. All right. It's a little better. One more time. Merry Christmas. That's even better. The, the, uh, the lower the response, the longer I preach. Uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> that, that's what I thought, Al. So, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, welcome to uh, WFR. So glad you're here today. We are going to be talking a little bit about the birth of Christ today, as we should. And so, uh, as we get started, I've, uh, I've asked uh, for a little help on Scripture reading. And so, Lindley's going to read the section of Scripture that I'll be preaching out of today. And it will be, if you want to turn and look there, it'll be in the book of Luke, uh, chapter 2. And so, uh, Linda, would you read for us, please? Appreciate that so very much. That's a long reading, and uh, she did a great job with that. Let's bow before the Father. Father, we ask a blessing on the reading of your word. We are conscious of the fact that these were penned by your Holy Spirit and the men that you chose. 
to write these things down and that this word that you give us is living and is active and has power to change our lives. So we pray, Father, that as we engage your word today, that we will do so with open hearts and open minds to see what you would have us see, to do what you would have us do, and to be the kind of people that you would have us be. May we be transformed by your words, by your spirit, and by the story of your son. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and the church said, Amen. Amen. It was such a different time of culture and time of history that sometimes it seems so far removed. For we live in, uh, uh, in such, a, such a different time. Jesus being born in a rural time, an agricultural culture, a, a culture of poverty, uh, the, uh, the smallness of the, the numbers of the world were so small. He never traveled very many miles away from his own home. Uh, and yet to be, and to be born, well, I mean, what does it say about their culture at that time? To be, to be born in a manger for people all around them who see this and, and somehow or another don't feel a need to come to the rescue of a young woman that's fixed to have a child. That always kind of bothered me about the people of Bethlehem. And yet this is how God chose to enter the world. Now we live in such a different culture, it just seems so far removed. We live in a time of, uh, of information. It's information overload, matter of fact, isn't it? I mean, uh, I, I, before I can finish reading a scripture, you can be on your phone pulling up the Greek words and defining them and, and checking out my information. Or you could have your earbuds in listening totally to a different sermon somewhere else. Uh, that's not an idea, by the way. I'm just saying, information is out there. And it's overload. And it's so much different than the culture of Jesus. And we live in a culture of technology. I mean, look at all the things that can happen. Uh, even right now, while we're together in this particular room here at this location... Uh, the live stream is going out, and I don't, I don't know how many now are uh, uh, out there on the live stream uh, watching and how many will listen to this after this particular day. But technology is unbelievable, isn't it? And we live in a very, particularly in our nation, a very wealthy culture, a very uh, material culture. We have everything we need and more than we need. And even the poorest of our people are richer than the majority of the people in the world and definitely richer than the people in the culture of Jesus. So it's really sometimes it's hard to like bring that story into our lives and make it real. But somehow or another, I want us to do that today. I want us to try to go back and to look and see what the Bible's talking about and see this story and see this Savior. This, the very first thing these shepherds get this message from the angels. Look, they've been used to looking up in the sky. They've been used to seeing the stars. They've been used to, to noticing the things there, right? And yet all of a sudden this night was totally different. Not only did they see the star, all of a sudden they hear voices from heaven. And they, and they get this information from God himself through his angels. 
about this child that's going to be born in Bethlehem and go and see. And so they said they would. Remember, we're going, we want to go and see if what was told us is true. And when they do, they, guess what they discover? They seek out what they were told, and yes, exactly what was said is true. And just like those shepherds, I think we have that need to come and see. Come and see the Savior. What is this thing called Christmas? It's got to be more than just the the lights and the songs. And I enjoy all those things. I love them. I love the gift giving. I love the uh, celebrating the day. I love the uh, all the extra food that and uh, desserts that come your way. Don't you like that? Can I get an amen, Tommy? Yeah, that's all right. And, and so we, we enjoy it. Family gets together. It's a great time. But how much even a greater time to talk about the most amazing thing that ever happened, that God entered the world. A Savior is born. And really, if you have one verse that describes Christmas, it's not in the Christmas story. It's, Paul uses it over in First, in first Timothy 1.15 where he says there's this trustworthy saying as he's talking to this young evangelist. There's this trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And here's the essence of Christmas here. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul adds his own comment there of who I'm the worst which we all feel like that at times, don't we? When we look at our own sinfulness. And we think, God, how many more times can I say, forgive me of this sin? How many more, how many more never again am I going to do that, have we said? How many more first days? Well, this will be the first day I'm never going to, and yet all of a sudden, you know, we stumble again. And we feel like the worst of sinners. Christ came into this world. That's the Christmas story. That's the whole meaning in a nutshell. And he did it to save us. And oh, we had a need, didn't we? It's really, our needs aren't met by the gifts that we, we give or get this Christmas. The greatest need anyone ever has is the need of a Savior. And the recognition of that need only comes because we finally have a look at our own heart and see the sinfulness of our own lives. It's the same old story. Look, I, I am a sinner and I do not deserve... To be saved, and yet by the grace of God, because of the story of Christmas, Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. I have hope, and you have it too. And I think about all the ways that people come and see. Some of your journeys when you were seeking the Savior took a long time. And year after year... You wrestled with it. And then there were times you didn't think about it. And then you wrestled with it again. You didn't think about it. But someone kept the good news in front of you. I'll never forget that uh, I talked to my dad several times about the gospel. And uh, he would say, I'm thinking about it. And I, I told him one time, I said, now, Dad, every time I'm coming home, I'm going to ask you about it. But now, look, I don't want to make you mad, so if it's going to be a problem, just tell me. But, oh, no, no, that's fine. Okay. So every time I went home, I said, hey, you've been thinking about the gospel? He already knew the information. I said, you've been thinking about obeying the gospel? Yeah, I've been thinking about it. Okay, good. Now, you know. And so finally one time, he had talked with his buddy at a ball game who had been after him for years, trying to teach him, and said, uh, 
Ray, are you about ready to obey the gospel? He said, yeah, I th- I'm, going to, I'm going to do that next time Mikey comes home. And so that guy called me that night, and guess where I left for that morning? <laughs> I got in my old orange truck, and I headed out. And uh, it was one of the greatest days of my life to baptize my dad into Christ when he was 64 years old. You don't give up on people. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And some people's come and see is longer than others. There are those sometimes you meet and you share the gospel with and their hearts are immediately pricked and they're ready to be baptized. The first guy I ever taught the gospel to uh, uh, on a campaign up in the, uh, up in Council Bluffs, Iowa. I was young. I was 19 years old. I had just been converted myself. And I was on a campaign, and, and Bob Dankelson's here. Bob was on that campaign. He took a group of folks from here. I hadn't even been here yet. We met them with our college group. And so Elsie uh, Lewis taught me how to share the gospel. And so... I sat down with this young boy. He was, I, he was nervous, and I was more nervous than he was. And we went through Scripture, and we read, and, and, and we asked questions. And he said at the end of that he wanted to be baptized. And I'm like, that's exciting, so I'm looking for someone to do it. And they said, no, no, you, you taught him. You do it. I'm like, me? I, I didn't know. You know, I hadn't had to, how to baptize a person course yet, you know. So it's a Wednesday night. They've all gone home except the preacher and a few people. And so we get up to the baptistry, and, 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 and I'm a little worried about it. And he's scared to death of the water. And so uh, they haven't taught me to hold his arm or anything like that, you know. And so I just uh, asked him, did he believe that Jesus was the Son of God? He said, yes. And so I said what I thought I was, you were supposed to say. I'm going to baptize you, you know, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and I went to baptize him, and when I did, he threw his arm out and grabbed the edge of the glass of the, of the baptistry. He's holding on. And I got him under the water. And the preacher's standing out there, and he's trying to get his fingers off, you know. He's pulling on him. And I, I, I finally, I, he's starting to bubble. I'm like, i got to bring him up. So I bring him up, and then I know, because I, I, I grew up in the Church of Christ, all body parts have to go under at the same time. So I grab his arm, the poor kid's still scared to death, and I take him down again, and we got him in. And I thought, that boy, did, that boy came to that Bible study that night, and he didn't have a clue. Some people's journey is instant, and their hearts are pricked. What a beautiful thing. Some of the rest of us, some of the rest of you may still need to come and see. And we're a little bit like, even after seeing Jesus, we're a little bit like the guys in Mark 8. Remember Mark 8? There's a very unique, in Mark 8, 22, there's a very unique miracle that takes place. Jesus heals a man, born, uh, a man that's blind. And he spits on his eyes and, and he touches him. And he asks him, can you see? And he said, I, I, I can see, but it's like men are like trees. He said, I can't see very clearly. So Jesus touches him again and heals him, and he sees, he sees clearly. A second touch of Jesus. 
And I thought, why tell that story, Jesus? Why do that miracle that way? Until I looked before, right before there in the book of Mark, Jesus had fed 5,000, he fed 4,000, he's teaching the disciples this whole time about how to, how to see God and how to, and then he tells them, look, you have eyes yet you do not see. And how is it that you don't understand because didn't you see that I fed the, and he reminds them, I fed the 5,000, I fed the 4, and yet you still don't understand? And then he does this miracle. And I thought, how many of us need a second touch of Jesus? How many of us need to go back and see clearly? We might be like the folks that were, that Peter wrote to, who had forgotten. Remember, he says, do not forget what it's like to be cleansed from your past sins. Do you remember that day? You remember you were nervous, but you knew you had to do the right thing? And somebody had shared the gospel with you, and you wanted forgiveness, and it bothered you set up all night, maybe thinking about it. And you decided you're going to follow Jesus. And whether it was at at the pool at camp or whether it was in this baptistry or whether it was in the river, you made that decision and you were baptized into Christ. And the excitement that filled your heart, remember that? You could lay your head on your pillow and go to sleep and know I have believed. And responded to my Lord. What a great thing. Have you lost that confidence? Have you lost that assurance? Maybe you need to, to come and see again. Maybe you need to, to go back and look again at what it really means for God to be in the flesh. For it really is for Jesus to humble himself and come to this earth. That incarnation that says, I'm doing this for you. Christ Jesus came to this world to save me. And to save you, to save sinners, come and see. You've let that old guilt mess you up long enough, haven't you? You've replayed that tape of the old sins in your heart and mind long enough. You've let Satan take advantage of your shame and your guilt and your hurt long enough. You've let that hurt relationship keep you away from Jesus long enough. It's time to come and see the Savior all over again. Don't miss out on the greatest holiday ever, which will be the day you see Jesus. That's the true Christmas, isn't it? Then once you come and see the response like the shepherds, what they do? you got to go and tell the story. You come and see the Savior, but now you got to go tell the story. You know what, what it, how it feels to think that somehow or another in all my blundering and, and maybe misusing of, of Scripture and not really knowing where things were and, and you get to sit down and be able to sit down and open my Bible and talk to somebody and they make a decision and you feel like somehow or another God used me. I got to be a part of somebody finding the Savior. I told the story. God supplied the power and the pricking of the heart through the story. And the message of Jesus changed someone's life. I got to be a part of that adventure. That's what happens when you tell the story. 
And every one of us can tell the story. Every one of us can say, here's what God has done in my life, and he can do some amazing things in your life too. All of us can tell the story. So maybe your part, maybe the part of telling the story for you is you're taking a, a friend of yours to someone's house and somebody else is teaching them. Maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's a combination of, of several of us in a house church and somebody's visited it and you get, and you brought them or you fed them or you got to be a part of it because the whole mindset and whole attitude was how can we get this person in front of this greatest story ever told? How can we get them to hear and read and see this Savior? And when that's your thinking, oh man, you're on the right track. You know what I love about our church? You know how you can tell when your church is on the right track? When you stand in the foyer and people are talking and they're asking each other and someone's saying, hey, look, I want you to meet, the, I want you to meet this person. They're, they're a visitor. Someone else says, hey, I got this guy coming to house church tonight. Man, I think we're going to have a great Bible study. When you hear those kind of conversations, you know your church is on the right track. When those are the conversations you hear about people who are excited that someone is getting to hear the story and they're getting to be a part of it. Go tell the story. Because when they had seen him, they spread the word. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. Go tell the story. They didn't list his name in the article for fear of his own life. He preaches in China, calling Pastor Bike because he rides a bicycle. He rode the bicycle over 17,000 kilometers across China, sharing the gospel in 24 different provinces. The police has threatened the house church in Beijing where he raised up a group of people. He's been detained several times, yet he still ministers in a country that's tough to live in. And this last year, they said baptized hundreds as he went out and told the story. Tell the story. Does it take boldness? Oh, yeah. Take some boldness. But God will supply the boldness you need. Remember in Acts 4 when they prayed? And the Holy Spirit came and they were filled with boldness and they preached the word of God? Tell the story. It makes a difference in heaven or hell for people when you and I tell the story. Think about the person who told the story to you. By the way, if you were raised with a Christian mom and dad who told you the story, praise God for the generation-to-generation people who are passing the gospel down one to the other. Praise God for that. I think that we sometimes get off track. Christmas is a good time to get back on track. The simplicity of coming and seeing the Savior and then after that, view of who he really is and what he's done for me getting busy telling the story you know the gospel pricks hearts 
But the Bible doesn't say it just pricks lost people's heart. Someone asked me one time, I said, Mike, you know, so-and-so, he's a Christian, but he's really, you know, had been away from the Lord, hadn't lived right. What, do you, what, what are you going to say to him? I'm going I'm to talk to him. I'm going to tell him the gospel. Well, he already knows that. doesn't matter. I want that power of that story to re-prick his heart. Because if we can get all of our hearts right and pricked and open, and we can see the Savior clearly, then we will be much more confident in telling the story everywhere we go. Come and see the Savior. Then go and tell the story. But you got to open your eyes. You got to open your heart. Remember that song we sing sometimes? Open the eyes of what? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high lifted up. To see you shining in the light of your glory. Lord, pour out your power and love. As we sing, holy, 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 you are holy, 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 I want to see you. Once you see him and you're compelled to tell the story, the next thing to happen to the shepherds happens to us. You give God what? You give God the glory. Because we're not the reason things happen. If I happen to get used to tell the story, I happen to get, be able to get involved in the adventure of somebody becoming a Christian, it's not about me making something happen. God, God's what makes it happen. He's the one. He gets the glory. We get the encouragement. We get the adventure of seeing it. God gets the glory. The Word of God says in the book of Ephesians, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And the church said, Amen. Amen. God will get the glory. He'll work through you. He'll work through the church. And from generation to generation, we give God the glory. Come and see the Savior Go and tell the story and give God the glory. Father, we love you.
I pray, Father, for, first of all, myself, that I would have an open heart and open eyes to once again look and see the Savior the way I need to. That I would never get tired or weary in telling the story. And that, Father, would always give you the glory. I pray, Father, for anyone sitting in these pews here today whose guilt and shame has weighed them down and they just need to get a, a, a fresh view and open their eyes to see the Savior. Make that happen, Father. Do whatever it takes to prick hearts and to open eyes. And for those that have named the name of your son, move us, Father, to be powerful in telling the good news, that story of the gospel that changes lives. And may we do so in spite of what Satan throws at us and how the world treats us, that there's something far better beyond this old world. Let us not lose the power and the simplicity of Christmas that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. We're thankful, Father, for that salvation. We give you the honor and the glory, and we pray that that message will be multiplied through the people in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want in on this, <laughs> repent of your sins, make Jesus Lord of your life, be baptized into Christ, start all over brand new. Now that's a Christmas present right there, isn't it? That's why he came. If you just have a need to ch- kind of rechallenge your own heart or you have other needs that we need to pray for as a church family, that's what our invitation is about. So uh, if you have any of those needs, bring them to the front, if you would. Right now, while together we stand and we sing a song.